Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And Joseph went up from Galilee to Bethlehem with Mary, his espoused wife, who was great with child. And she brought forth a son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the angel of the Lord spoke to the shepherds and said, I bring you tidings of great joy. Unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's a problem with this angel, said a Pharisee who happened to be strolling by the stable. As he explained to Joseph, angels are widely regarded as religious symbols, and the stable was on public property where such symbols were not allowed to land or even hover. Besides, said the Pharisee, there are no such things as angels, and telling a child that they're real will only hinder the child's emotional development. And I have to tell you, the whole thing looks very much like a nativity scene. That's a no-no, too. Joseph had a bright idea. What if I put a couple of reindeer over there near the ox and donkey? He said, eager to avoid sectarian strife. Just to clinch it, throw in a candy cane and a couple of elves and snowmen, too. No court can resist that. Now, Mary asked, What does my son's birth have to do with snowmen? Snow persons! Cried a young woman, changing the subject before it veered dangerously toward religion. With the arrival of the three wise men, someone gasped. They're all male. Not very multicultural. The Belthazar here is black, said one of the Magi. Yeah, but how many are gay or disabled? A committee was quickly formed to find an impoverished lesbian wise person among the lame of Bethlehem. Thankfully, a calm voice said, Be of good cheer, Mary. You have done well, and your son will change the world. At last, a sane person, Mary thought. She turned to see a radiant and confident female face. The woman spoke again. There is one thing, though. Religious holidays are important. But can't we learn to celebrate them in ways that unite, not divide? For instance, instead of all this business about Gloria in excelsis Deo, why not just season's greetings? Mary said, You mean my son has entered human history to deliver the message, Hello, it's winter? That's harsh, Mary, said the woman. Remember, your son could make it big in midwinter festivals if he doesn't push the religion thing too far. Centuries from now, in nations yet unborn, people will give each other pricey gifts and have big office parties on his birthday. That's not chopped liver. One of the shepherds called out from the back of the crowd. The prophet Micah wrote that out of Bethlehem will come a ruler to shepherd God's people. And that's just a myth, said the head of the prophet seminar who had just arrived with his committee. We scholars have determined that the prophets actually said very little of what they are credited with saying. And everything they reportedly said about a Messiah was added years later by other writers. How did you determine that? We cast lots. And Mary took Joseph's hand and said... (sighs) Joseph, tell me again what the angel Gabriel said to you about our son. Squeezing her hand, Joseph answered, He said that we should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary looked down at her son and sighed deeply and then said to no one in particular, I wonder if they'll let him. The end. This is Wretched Radio. Despite what the world and far too many churches might imply, Christmas is a schadenfreude story. It is both joyous 
God came to earth, but it's also Shaden. What What's so sad about it? The little baby in the manger was born to die. That is what we celebrate at Christmas time. Yes, it is joyful, joyful. We adore thee, but we can never forget the reason for the season. This baby, fully God, fully man, came on a death march. From cradle to grave, he orchestrated every single event and activity so that God's perfect timing could be fulfilled, that he would be born at just the right time, that he would die on God's predetermined timetable. Why? What was the point of it all to Have you seen what some of these churches, did you see our video on the YouTube machine? We did top 12, you know, 12 days of Christmas. Get it there, lady, Mrs. Mrs. Girlfriend. By the way, Jimmy. Yes. Maybe you could help me out with this. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember the disciples, their favorite automobile. Do you know what it was? The disciples' favorite automobile? Yeah. I don't know. Honda. Honda. Because they were all oh, in one accord. accord. <laughs> you are so easy. <laughs> The whole Boaz Ruthless thing uh, last week cracked you up. I'm and easy. now you just can't stop. I'm What's easy. a missionary's favorite car? A missionary's yeah. convertible. <laughs> What's a salesman's favorite Bible verse? A salesman. The Great Commission. <laughs> Nobody laughs at these jokes but you. I'm easily entertained. And you tortured your children for years with these jokes, I didn't did, you? I did, I did. And far too many churches are torturing their people with a joke of a Christmas service. Did you see our YouTube video? It was all shenanigans, hijinks, put, trying to put on a show. And guess what? I don't think the kids actually dig it. Now, there are some that go because they perhaps don't know better. But I was talking to a buddy of mine. That's right. I have friends. I have to pay them. But nevertheless, I was talking to a friend and he was talking about when they planted a church about seven years ago because we were talking about church planting. And I talked about how we want to try to be traditional without being stodgy because that is a potential of a high church model that it become, can become a little bit lifeless sounding. I think that critique can be accurate. Well, that's just dead orthodoxy. Well, orthodoxy is never dead, but I get it. It can be a little mrum, 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 like Charlie Brown's teacher. If there isn't some joy put into it, some enthusiasm, so that we are reading it as if we actually mean it. And we were talking about how to do that while being traditional, maybe even citing the creeds, singing some hymns that are a thousand years old, and he said that they determined to do that at their church plant that he started seven years ago. And he said, I'm 38 years old. Guess how old I am compared to everybody else. And I said, well, you could probably be their great-grandchildren because, you know, old traditional church is just for old people who are just curmudgeonly and don't, they don't know what it's like to sing the hill song. He said, I'm the oldest one there. Why? Because young people are 
digging it, man. They're coming to church because they don't want frivolity. They don't want silly. They don't want a knockoff of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which is actually what Hillsong does. They want something deeper. They want to be connected to an ancient faith. They don't want frivolous. They want to be connected to something deeper. And these days, churches, they are just so misreading the room. They're giving them trite, and the world has enough trite. Believe me, the world has enough trite. They want something deep and profound. And we can give that to people at Christmas time when we remember the actual reason for the season. If you turn your attention or your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as following. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, he was a good guy. He wanted to just put her away silently, divorce. But an angel appeared, and the angel of the Lord said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, Yeshua. God saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Boom, shalagalaga. Might I suggest to you, just as Genesis 3.15 is the thesis statement for the Bible, that there is going to come a head crusher whose heel will be bruised, and the rest of the Bible rolls that out. I think Matthew is is giving us the thesis statement of his book that Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's the message of Christmas. That's why he came here. And that changes things, doesn't it? Because if the thesis statement of the Gospel of Matthew is that the primary mission of Jesus Christ was to save sinners, we have to ask ourselves the question, What about saving other things? Saving our community, saving a park, saving a forest, saving the oceans, saving America, saving the world. While those things aren't inconsequential, that's not why he came. And I think that has implications. If he didn't come to redeem societies, economic systems, transportation modes, but he came to die for sinners, I think everything flows out of that. Now, we live in a world where we go about the business of trying to help people. We get involved in whatever realm is necessary to accomplish that. But we need to remember that that is all downstream from the thesis statement of Matthew, that Jesus came to die for sinners. And if that is the primary message of the book of Matthew, if that is the primary, doesn't mean he didn't accomplish other things, but if that is the primary goal of our Savior, Doesn't that mean that should be, I don't know, our primary goal? This is Wretched Radio. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, It's an alternative to traditional health insurance, which means it's alternatively 
less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a missionary or not, if and that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's going to pray for you. And they will tell you what your family can anticipate. And you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We appreciate you when you tune in and listen every day. We appreciate you when you visit our website and purchase our resources. And we appreciate you when you reach into your pocket, pull out your hard-earned money, and donate to this ministry. That means more to us than you realize. As a matter of fact, it means the world to us, quite literally, because you help us reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it costs way more. More than pocket land and warm feelings to produce Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. It takes resources and it takes gospel partners. So for those of you already on board as ongoing monthly gospel partners, thank you. And if you haven't become an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would love it if you would prayerfully consider doing so. All of the answers to all of the questions we know you have can be found at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well, then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Know your church fathers. Clement of Alexandria was an apologist in the late 2nd century. He ran a school in Alexandria, Egypt, where he instructed new converts and trained Christian apologists. He taught that only Christianity, with its revelation from God in the Bible, has the answers regarding creation, good and evil, and salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's go to a Lutheran church then, shall we? This is Wretched Radio. You say, stop! That isn't hip. It's not happening. It's not full of energy and fog machines. And to that I say, amen. And so too do A lot of young people, believe it or not, young people are increasingly attracted to the old ways. That particular hymn that you just heard chanted goes back centuries. 
And when we sing something like that together, it's not the it's not perhaps what they're they're playing on the uh, Jimmy. What's the name of that place where they play all the the pumped up music for the Christians? The K Love. The K Love. You're not going to hear this on the K Love, but I would suggest to you, younger people are not averse to this type of music. They want to be connected. And when we go sing the old hymns, I didn't say exclusively. This doesn't have to be. It needs to be 600 years old or we're not going to sing it. No. But when we go back and do sing these old songs, isn't it kind of encouraging? To know that we are singing songs that saints who came before us were singing centuries ago. I did a little Googling. The number 13th oldest song is Joy to the World, 1719. So when you and I get together for Christmas or any other time, we are, we are singing back what Isaac Watts wrote. That's 300 years ago. But that's not even close to the oldest hymn that was ever written. There were obviously some hymns that were written for other false religions, but how about O Emmanuel? That was written in France, of all places. 1,000. This cracks me up on this particular website that lists the oldest hymns. It says, O Emmanuel was written in 1,000 CE. <laughs> Which is funny because... It's not the common era. What split time? It was Jesus. We sing that song as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But let's go back even further. How's about to 700? Common era. Be Thou My Vision. Have you sung that song lately? Magnificent lyrics to that song. Hold on, I got to get close to the sheet. Uh, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Jimmy, are you good? You got any glass cleaner? Now? <laughs> be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping. Thy presence, my light. Whoa. I just said something people were singing in 700 Hold on. That is not the oldest hymn in Christendom that we have recorded. 405. Have you ever sung of the Father's love begotten? Ere the world began to be, he is Alpha and Omega. He the source, the ending he. Of the things that are, that have been, and that future years shall see evermore and evermore. Written in Spain by one Aurelius Prudentius. Hold on. That's not the oldest hymn. There's another one that was written in 390, O Splendor of God's Glory Bright. Uh, that was written in Itali. I, I, I think that's how you say it. There was a hymn written in 200 in Greece. But wait a second. Is it possible that the oldest hymn that we have recorded is actually in the Bible? It's debated. But Colossians 1, 15, the people who are Greek geeks, they've noticed there's something different about verses 15 to 20. It, the, the, the cadence of it, the pattern of it feels liturgical. It feels either confessional, creedal, or it could have been a hymn. So when you and I read the Bible, we are reading 
in this instance, what might have been sung in the first century. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Paul's doing again. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. He's over all this. Every You think of something? He's over it all. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, not a created being. And in him all things consist. He's the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Which should remind us that when we read the Bible, we're reading obviously different language, but it is the same Bible that was being read to people in the first century. In other words, God's word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever to spread his light from age to age shall be our chief endeavor. Lord, grant while worlds endure, we keep its teachings pure throughout all generations. You and I are connected. Our faith goes deep. Let's not shy away from the old stuff. I'm telling you, explain it to the kids. No, it doesn't. You know why this doesn't sound the same? Because this was written by your forefathers 1,400 years ago. Be thou my vision. You're singing what other believers whose bones are dust today. That's what you're connected to. That's what, that is your ancestry. That is your heritage. Know that you are not a first generation Christian. We go back. And as long as we're speaking about Lutherans, because we're kind of speaking about Lutherans and Jesus being born, wow, did I read an interesting article from Cheryl Magnus. She happens to be a member of the LCMS, familiar with the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. This, this headline kind of caught my attention in view of name him Jesus because he was born to die to save sinners. Headline, Jesus cares more about saving you than saving America. Oh, boy. Welcome to the fray, Cheryl. She writes, the problem is not an American illness in need of an American cure. It's clear that America long ago strayed from its Christian founding. But at its core, America's decline into depravity is not a national problem national problem, but an individual one, not a political problem, but a spiritual one. We want to see things get better. Let me suggest there's a solution. People need to believe better. And by the way, we're going to be doing this in January. Just had a meeting about this. My opinion, I do believe that the life issue, I'm not a political prognosticator, but I do believe that the life issue, uh, it, we're going to take a beating in the 2024 election. We're there's, there's two ways that that can change. Number one, either we, we, we compromise on the issue and make it a subject of weeks. The debate is, when can we all agree that we can take the life of an innocent human being? I don't care for that option. There's another option persuade people. Maybe, just maybe, we thought, whew, Roe v. Wade, that thing got flipped. So 
We're done with that issue. Not even close. It has ignited a passion in pro-choicers. And they're not going to somehow be persuaded. It does not appear that they're going to be persuaded to vote for somebody who's pro-life so that the economy will improve. I think we've learned that. That it's it's that it's not the economy, comma, stupid. Right now, it's the life issue. Women want the right to participate in the procreative act without the procreative act consequences. We've got to change their mind. So in January, just heads up on this, we're going to be giving away life is best. We'll send it to you. This is until next year, but we're going to, because it's life month, we got to get back into the game. And we got to start preaching life, that it is the taking of a life. Doesn't matter the size, level of development, environment, degree of dependence makes no difference. Back to the Lutheran. Spiritual problems are not solved by marketing campaigns, national movements, but by encounters with the one true God who defies any attempt to categorize or use him for human purposes. And those encounters don't happen on a national level. With America repenting for its collective failure. We're not Israel, can't do that, but on an individual level, with the sinner coming face to face with the reality of his sinfulness and need for a savior. Our temporal problems aren't. They're spiritual problems. And by the way, that isn't just regarding commerce, economics, political systems, life. It's everything stems from people thinking better because they're believing better. You want to do something to save America? How's about we go about the business of preaching the gospel that Jesus came to die and save sinners and people will get saved. And isn't that why he came in the first place? This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start in the state of Minnesota, which appears to be redesigning their state flag. But one of the proposals is raising more than a few eyebrows. The new banner almost looks identical to the Somalian flag. Skeptics doubt that it's a coincidence since Representative Ian Omar has been pushing for the strikingly similar emblem for a while now. And when asked if she consulted for an interest, she dodged the question, claiming that it simply represents Minnesota's beautiful snow and frigid weather. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. And the disturbing parental rights case, the Supreme Court may soon be weighing in on an Indiana couple whose son was taken away from them over transgender identity. County officials removed the teen from his family after parents refused to affirm that he was actually a girl when he, in fact, was not a girl. The court ruled that disregarding his wishes constituted abuse. No, actually, following his wishes and entering his fantasy land with him perpetuates the abuse. Now they're petitioning the high court to untangle the tragedy threatening families nationwide. And switching gears now to the holiday hullabaloos, a satanic group has provoked outrage because they demanded their demonic statue stand alongside a Christmas display at an Illinois Capitol building. The red-cloaked, horned, armless idol apparently symbolizes women's reproductive rights, according to the group. Although I fail to see how worshiping evil spirits relates to any type of human right, state officials finally banned all seasonal exhibits on government grounds, which, whether they realize it or not, is 
actually what the satanic group wanted all along. And in random sure-to-start-heated debate news at Christmas parties, researchers claim that owning a dog may help stave off dementia in the elderly more than cats. Hey, I don't create the news, I just report it. And on a serious note, we go overseas to Nigeria where a young Christian mother is awaiting trial for alleged blasphemy. She's facing threats of prison or worse unless she denies Christ. Muslim extremists turned violent after the married woman exercised her faith in a harmless online chat. Now she's been forced into hiding, requires 24-7 security to avoid any type of quote-unquote vigilante justice. Let's keep praying for this sister and all of our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. And speaking of prison, a global prison ministry plans to mobilize thousands of volunteers next week, bearing gifts and the gospel to incarcerated men and women. It's an annual outreach that blesses over 65,000 inmates across six continents with these care packages that include the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is exhortation, the spiritual ability to encourage, comfort, and admonish God's people. Whether God's people are oppressed, confused, or in error, God has provided the gift of exhortation to comfort, urge, and correct them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, we're not the Lutheran Radio Hour. This is Wretched Radio. But how can we have Christmas, especially when we're talking about Lutherans, and not enjoy an actually humorous and educational video from Lutheran satire? Here's the setting. A pastor wearing a robe. So that's a hint. He's a, a confessional Lutheran. Ending the Christmas service. When somebody appears in the sky. Well, thanks to all of you for coming out to our service this morning, and I pray that the rest of this Christmas Day is wonderful for each and every one of you. Not so fast, preacher man. Behold, it is I, Horus, Egyptian god of the sun, and while you all believe that you've been celebrating the birth of your Lord Jesus, you've really been celebrating the birth of me. For you see, thousands of years before your Jesus came around, I, Horus, was born on December 25th. I, Horus, was born of a virgin. I, Horus, was baptized by a man called Arnop the Baptizer, was crucified and was resurrected three days later. So you see, your Jesus is nothing more than plagiarized poppycock, and I, Horus, have come to feast upon the sorrow of you foolish Christians. Yeah, none of the stuff you just said is true. Yes, it is. No, there's no reference in Egyptian mythology to Horus being crucified or resurrected three days later. There's no documentation anywhere for the existence of a figure named Anup the Baptizer. Horus's mother was not a virgin woman, but the goddess Isis. And there is no specific date anywhere tied to the birth of Horus. 
I'm pretty sure there is. Actually, no. All of these claims and many others indicating that early Christians yoinked the mythology of Horus and stuck it on top of Jesus were all completely made up by Gerald Massey, a 19th century cuckoo banana bird self-taught Egyptologist who never provided the slightest shred of evidence for any of these claims and who was laughed out of the room by every serious Egyptologist on the planet. So thank you very much for your attempt to ruin our celebration of Christ's birth, but I'm afraid we're all still having a very Merry Christmas, Horus. Horus? Did I say my name was Horus? No, no, no. What I meant to say was, Behold, it is I, Mithras, Roman cultic god of the something-something, and why you all believe that you've been celebrating the birth of Jesus, you've really been celebrating the birth of me. For you see, I, Mithras, was born of a virgin. I, Mithras, had twelve disciples, and I, Mithras, gave those disciples a meal consisting of my body and my blood. Sound familiar, Christian dummies? Actually, Mithras was born from a rock, not of a virgin. He had two companions, not twelve disciples, and the Mithraic meal was one he shared with the sun god where they feasted not on his own flesh, but on the flesh of a bull. But even if those claims were true, Christians were already confessing the virgin birth, recognizing the twelve apostles, and celebrating the Lord's Supper before they ever encountered any Mithraic cults. So I'm afraid that you've taken neither the holly nor the jolly out of our Christmas, Mithras. Oh, you must have misheard me. I I'm not Mithras. I'm, uh, Quetzalcoatl, Aztec god of the wind. And while you all think that you've been No Christian on the face of the planet ever heard of Quetzalcoatl until the 16th century. Well, then I'm... Baldur, Norse god of the... There were 193 popes before Baldur's mythology was actually written down. Then I'm Horus, Egyptian god of the sun. You already did that one. All right, fine. I didn't want to completely humiliate you, but you've left me no choice. I shall now unveil myself to be the ancient deity whose mythology was inarguably stolen by early Christians. Behold, I am... Be an ancient Mesopotamian god of judgment. Six thousand years before your Jesus spoke of returning to condemn the lost and resurrect the faithful, my father was proclaimed that I would return to destroy my enemies and raise the dead. So silence your joyful voices, Christians. Your lord is nothing but a cheap carbon copy of me, the destructor who goes by many names. I am Volguus Zildroha. I am lord of the Zebulia. I am Gozer the Gozerian. Gozer the Gozerian is from Ghostbusters. Dang it, why do so many people still know that movie? Sing with joyous all together. Understand if all the things that Gerald Massey said about me were complete fabrications, with no textual evidence whatsoever, why do atheists like Bill Maher reference these claims as if they were true? Well, Horace, I suppose it is strange that people who insist that they won't believe anything without verifiable evidence are more than willing to believe anything without verifiable evidence as long as that thing can be used to mock the gospel. But we shouldn't be surprised when people reject proof of Christ's resurrection in favor of demonstrable lies that let them remain in unbelief. After all, Jesus did say, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I said that before Jesus did. Oh, you absolutely did not. Don't be intimidated by YouTube videos that claim Christmas was stolen from myths. No, no, it wasn't. Well done to Pastor Hans Feeney. Lutern satire. Horace ruins Christmas, but he actually doesn't. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody in mythology. I mean, we couldn't invent this.
What do you mean? A hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. That ain't good math, and it isn't good grammar either. But that's the way it is. He's a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. Go ahead, find that character. You might find a demigod. You could find a superhero. You might find somebody with supernatural strength, but you'll never find Jesus anywhere else but revealed in the Bible. Well done, Hans. Don't be intimidated. Jimmy, I found something during, during the Horus trying to ruin Christmas what? That, that supports my, my prophetic utterances that we are going to be. I think these, these upcoming elections, the life issue, it's on the ballot. And already the talk is about weeks. We've got to change that because once the debate becomes about when can we kill it, we've lost. We got to get back to the basics, which is why in January, giving away, not now, giving away, life is best. You can show it in your Sunday school all January. You can show it in church. Gather people together. Pick the episodes you think are best that will equip them the best. It deals with all of the lame objections, bodily autonomy, whatever the issue is, we just hit them all head on. And you see practical tools to help you win the life argument when Scott Klusendorf actually goes out to the university campuses and you you see the look on these kids' faces when he uses, you know, logic and common sense. We'll be giving that away in January because we've got to change this. Here's the headline. Pro-choice young adults more likely to say they'll vote than pro-life counterparts. Uh-oh. Check out this statistic. This is a big poll that was done. The Kennedy Institute of Politics at Harvard. Is acne still racist? Yep. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Americans who believe abortion should be legal in all cases has gone up eight points to 44% over the last year. The tide is turning against us. We've got to get equipped. They are energized and said, the younger people, we will definitely vote. So this would also be an encouragement. We absolutely need to vote, but we need more pro-life voters. How does somebody become pro-life? Well, there are some people you can try to work with their logic machines, and you can reason with them. You want a better fix? Preach what Christmas is about. You're going to have a lot of people visiting your church. They need to get saved. They need to hear the gospel. And speaking of Christmas, which which we were just reading a headline about a group of people, Christians, uh, that are upset. And, and that Target, of course, Target is usually in the bullseye, no pun intended. Apparently, they've got gay Santas and pride nutcrackers. And Christians are upset because it's demeaning Christmas. Um, actually, might I suggest whether he's gay or straight? Santa demeans Christmas. Not that they make him gay, but because Santa demeans Christmas. And we're worried about Target selling gay Santa. Santa has nothing to do with Christmas. Nothing. Do you want to say something? No. Well, you keep acting like you're jumping in here. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you, what about the elves? Well, well, clearly. Oh, they they demean Christmas do you, too. And do you see the way they dress? We gotta we gotta get them shopping at Fleet Farm. Then they're gonna look like some manly elves because that's what Christmas is. What? Exactly? And pride nutcrackers? Why do we care? 
That's worldly stuff. Christ is Christmas, not Santa. And I just can't help but wonder if we just haven't taken our eye off the ball and maybe this Christmas we will miss one of our greatest opportunities to make sure that people who come don't just think, hey, look, we're working on our church service. Mrs. Friel has been over there at the church. She's putting up trees and all that. It's festive, yeah. But it's not about Santa. It's it's not about reindeer and, and the nonsense. And if we give people the impression that it is, there's some churches, have your picture taken with Santa. What? Jimmy, do you know why that's a bad idea? Because if, if you mix the letters of Santa around. Satan. That's now Satan. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty. And I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, you know, we usually have a lot of fun around here, but today I've got something seriously good to share. Our year-end sale in full swing, and this is not your run-of-the-mill garden variety sale. This is the big one. First of all, we're offering up to 50% off, practically giving things away. And that's not all, because if you order over $50, we're going to ship it for free. But wait. There's more. Here's the big deal. If you spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale, we're going to throw in a Wretched 40-ounce tumbler. Think Stanley, but of the Wretched variety. And this tumbler is so exclusive, you can't buy it. The only way to get your hands on it is to spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale. It's our way of saying thank you for all the support. And speaking of support, if you are so inclined, every donation now through the end of the year is being matched dollar for dollar. It's the year-end extravaganza here at Wretched. It's easy, it's impactful, and hey, it's a pretty good way to avoid whatever else you were supposed to be doing at the moment. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby be in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. 
names of God. We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides and cares for his sheep. Jesus called himself the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Humor and pathos. This is Wretched Radio. Let's get to the air quotes humor. Jimmy, you're just killing yourself in there. (laughs) That's why you wanted to interrupt. You just wanted to share one of these Bible jokes. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That you're amusing yourself with. What? I, I wasn't. It's not a Bible what? joke. Uh, what is it? it what, 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 what do you call an elf? You can't even get through this. What do you call an elf that wins the lottery? I don't know, Jimmy. What do you call an elf that wins the lottery? <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> Wealthy. Well, wealthy, yes. wealthy, yes, because he's wealthy, wealthy now. And he's this, an elf. this is bringing so much clarity. <laughs> hey, okay, all right, let's get serious in a minute, though. Oh no, what is the only who okay, is here? It comes who who is the only Old Testament character that didn't have parents? That didn't who the only Melchizedek? Nope. Okay, who Joshua, son of none. <laughs> These are so lame. <laughs> Who makes the coffee in your house, Jimmy? My wife. Hebrews. Oh, Hebrews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Enough of the air quotes humor. How's about a little pathos, Scarecrow? Read a couple of stories. I have to confess to you of all of the Gen Z observations that we've read. Just unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. You know, each of those jokes are like, uh-huh. And you are knee slapping over there. You, you know what? I, I bet you liked. I'm easily. I bet you liked hee haw. <laughs> I did. Yep, yep. There it is. I'm easily this amused. Is making all the sense in the world. Wow. No wonder why. I think on occasion I drop comedy gold on Jimmy, and he looks at me <laughs> like my I've got two heads. Just stares, blinks five times. Little did I know, all I needed to do was tow it out. Was Boaz a good man before he got married? Oh, ruthless. That's right. <laughs> now I know how to make you happy. Here, this is also good news. Jimmy, Yes. you're getting a raise. Oh, okay. Yeah, more jokes. I'll just, I'll just Google oh, more Bible now. jokes. You're still joking. Is that clearly me? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sad story number one, and I mean it. This 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 is a wake up call for the church, and this is a wake up call for you if you are a Gen Zer. This is a story I'm quite certain that people have used to mock. We shouldn't, if indeed. Now, please note asterisk here. Not every Gen Zer is like this. Okay, so if you're Gen Z and you're not what I'm about to describe based on a survey of Gen Zers. Not not trying to shoot at you here. I'm talking about your contemporaries, and I don't think that the preceding generations should use this as fodder for mockery. And and I I also wouldn't say, hey, we're the ones who gave them this this society. Well, we participated in it. We're not all individually responsible for it, but the culture that we currently have created by an entire nation. I think has cultivated this in Gen Zers. And while it's kind of um, sad 
I think it's also a great opportunity for the church and a great opportunity for you if you're a Gen Zer because you could overcome what so many Gen Zers struggle with and you could be exceptional. Here's the headline from fortune.com. Gen Z. Nope. Jimmy, are you done cracking yourself up in there? I think so. Okay. The percentage of 11 to 26-year-old. Now, these are Gen Zers. And they surveyed 2,000 people between the ages of 18 and 24. Do you ever experience what they're calling menu anxiety? Menu anxiety, admitting they ask other people at the table to speak to waiters on their behalf because they're too nervous to talk. You want to guess what percentage? Say, yeah, I have to do that. Um, 34%. Wow. A third. Let's just call it a third. Wow. They can't, they, they, they ask somebody else to order for them. You know, there used to be a day when men would order for the ladies. The lady will be having, but those people were knuckle dragging idiots that knew absolutely nothing about egalitarianism. A third of Gen Zers can't talk to a waiter. 40% of Gen Z customers said they simply wouldn't go out for dinner if they couldn't check the menu first because they wanted to familiarize themselves with it so that they didn't say what they wanted to order wrong. Furthermore, they are very concerned that they might not order the air quotes right thing, that they could be eating something that society says, hey, that, that steak you're having causes a lot of carbon gases. Okay, I better not order that because that's a bad thing for the beast because society says so. Look at the pressure society has exerted on these young people. Here's the commonly listed fears. Being overwhelmed by the amount of choices on the menu. Mispronouncing an item and feeling embarrassed. Fearing they would order the wrong thing and regret their purchase in comparison to others. 61% of Gen Zers have felt pressured about what to eat since childhood. So as a result, feel anxious about the subject itself. 62% of Gen Zers think their eating pattern is wrong because it doesn't align with health or social values, creating an uncomfortable gap between their beliefs and their actions. That is what our culture has created. And the church can help. The church has something to say to Gen Zers. Stop believing the lies. Stop listening to the lies. You need to stop being defined by YouTube videos, TikTok, and Instagram. You need to stop. You need to stop listening to the people who are maybe getting your attention. They're very popular, and they're telling you how to live. Stop. Stop listening to them. They have no credibility. They have zero right to tell you anything. Okay, so the meeting that I was at about the life is best. It was at one of these meeting places we, we, we went to, and there was a sign on the wall. Here's, here's what I read. I took a picture of it. Make it. You know those meeting places where you can rent a room? Okay, that's, that's the meeting that I was in. Make an empty space in any corner of your mind, and creativity will instantly fill it. Okay, that's a statement of fact. First of all, I don't know what it means. Empty space in any corner of your mind? How do you do that? And creativity will instantly fill it. Says who? Yoga. Yep, that's true. 
But frequently what enters that empty space is a demon. These people, everybody wants you to believe what they're peddling. By their worldview, stop. They have no credibility. They have nothing ancient. They have nothing that has transformed entire societies. The Bible has. And you need to reject whatever the monikers are that they have affixed to you. And you need to understand your reputation in Christ. Who does God think you are? Who cares what the servants think when the king says you're beloved? You have a new identity. You have a new reputation. You are not what the world says. Who are you in Christ? You're more than a conqueror. You are a co-heir of everlasting life. You get to reign with the king. Think on those things. Believe those things. And then go out to a restaurant and have a great time with your pals, ordering whatever it is that you want to eat, even if it goes moo. Sad story number two. Don't know if you caught this one. I'm 38 and single. This is from The Insider. I'm 38 and single. I thought I didn't want a husband and family, but I do. Oh, how heartbreaking for this woman. I told my friends and family I'd never get married again. I needed independence. See, this is the world telling you autonomous self, autonomous self. You got to live for you. Do what makes you happy. You don't need no kids. You don't need to get married again. I didn't. All I wanted was a fulfilling career, space to chart my own course. And marriage didn't fit. I was content to look forward to a future without a husband, children, or the trappings of a traditional life. Listen to this language. This is, this is the effect of bad worldviews. I'd been so preoccupied with preserving my independence and caring for myself, and I hadn't realized how much I could enjoy caring for someone else and allowing them to care for me. And so I began to feel incredible urgency to find the relationship and stability to see me through the second half of my life. To my amazement, I began seriously thinking about marriage and children. But then I felt desperate because at my age, creating life may not be an option for me. And I worry that men who want a family aren't looking for a woman pushing 40. I'm no longer the ideal candidate for motherhood, and it's scary. But I hope to find someone who thinks I'm the ideal partner and create our family together. Has the world told you to put off marriage? Having children is terrifying. They're lying. Lying. The Bible says marriage and children, the most magnificent blessings you will ever experience. My Gen Z friend, stop listening to the world. Turn off social media and understand what your God thinks of you and what he desires for you. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.